Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yobcast for February 12th, 2024. Featuring poet Shira Ehrlichman leading the workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host once again, Jason Koo. Our February Yop was emceed by our general and events manager, the one and only Darius Phelps, who always does a great job as our Yop MC. To learn more about the Yop and to sign up if you've never been there before, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Peter Torre, Pau Ahimsa, I Buenaventura, Karen Newberg, Alana Phillips, Miro, Gerald Wagoner, Jim Stewart, Franz, Ash, Winston Chang, Kayla Schwab, Eva Kohler, Steph McLean, Elise Morris, Anthony Gagliardi, Amanda Quaid, Hunter Hodkinson, Jess Gagne, Chiara DeLelo, Ashley, and last but not least, Evan Thomas Cummings. So apparently this was the op open mic where... I don't know, at least five or six people were famous enough just to have first names on our open mic list, so more power to them. That's all. Let's get to the open mic for February. Enjoy. All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. Welcome to the open mic portion of our young. Just a few rules and announcements before we get started. Open mic readers can read one poem for three minutes max. I repeat, just a few reminders. Open mic readers can read one poem for a minute of three minutes max. Every month, the audience votes on poem of the month by choosing one poem. Please wait until the end of the open mic to vote by texting us the poet's name to 718-374-1953. Please remember to only vote once and only once, and do not tell people who are not present at this event to vote. I will know. <laughs> the 12 winners of the Poem of the Month over the course of the year will face off in the Poem of the Year contest in early December. Every month, we record this open mic as the podcast or the archives that we publish. If you do not want to be in the recording, please let me know ASAP. We can, I can edit you off the recording. But as a reminder, please vote only once. I'm a Scorpio. I will know if you vote more than once. <laughs> All right. Um, once we're done, I'm going to go through the readers' names at the end, and then you can vote, and I will announce the number again at the end. All right? So please hold all votes to the end. All right? But first, we're going to welcome Shira back to the stage. Everyone give a warm round of applause to our Hi friends, hello, it's me. Yes. Still doing this, yep, here. All right, I'm gonna read you two poems. I'm excited to hear yours. And the first one is um, what the workshop was based off of. It's a mantra and it came full. No, no real, tiny edits, but it just came through one evening um, very prayerfully. So this is somewhere real. Get in, George Elliot. I packed PB&Js. I'm bringing that rainbow parachute we held hands under as eight-year-olds. 
Get in right beside Autumn, beside every manic pixie dream girl screenplay written by a man, beside bad weather, besides Allegra's pomegranates split into five uneven offerings, beside Allegra herself. She's a mother now as I write this. Get in television and all the extinct hardware of the 90s, Montel, Jerry, Ricky, get in. I'm driving. Get in, exes. Tell me about life without me. <laughs> Pick the music. Thread a threat through my dumb brown hair. Something like, you are always so, then let the rain finish your sentence. Get in rain, but don't hog the air. I'm running away. I'm tired of not being a monk. Get in, you're so vain, and five o'clock shadows, and how hard it is to not talk to my brother. We went a whole year and a half. Get in, year and a half. Get in, therapist, with a good haircut and bad advice. <laughs> you too, Michael Jackson. I'm so sorry you had to be Michael Jackson. The kind of snow that only fell when I was young. Get in. Or maybe it's just how I saw it. Get in. I'm trying desperately not to sound cute, which is, of course, adorable. <laughs> but please, 11 siblings killed in the camps. Get in next to my grandfather. Pill-headedness, get in. Hema children's forehead and everything behind it, get in. I'm not gonna say it again. Buckle up, put a daffodil behind my ear, touch my shoulder from the back seat, write my will for me. Tell Mary Ann Evans I can hear her humming. It's fine, except it's driving me nuts. I'm aware that I'm crying, get in. Sit next to Kava. The baffling intelligence of starling and uteri front seat. I'm only five feet tall. Too many strangers pick me up as a gag. My recurring dream is that I choose this life again. Keep your hands inside the vehicle. The mandolin I inherited because of genocide. Keep me awake all night. Morgan, I just want to watch your hands protect a flame. Everybody, I'm sorry. I'm doing my best not to lean so hard on metaphor that I avoid where I am. This road invented itself. Even though I get the facial expressions right, I'm a poor listener, get in. Greasy-haired, buck-toothed, gets distracted easily, deodorant-stained, secret crush on Catherine, come on in. Throw your book bag out the window and tell me your favorite color. Turquoise, get in. The locker they shoved Gabby into, and I didn't do it, but I didn't stop them, get in. The line between where you almost went and where you're going, they call that a fork, funny. Every time I let the moonroof slide open, but there was no moon, get in. Hurry slowly, slow up, slur your worlds, to say your sorrow, admit you loved the uglier twin, while arm in arm with the one older by a second, oh, cherishing, get in. It's not too late, get in. The diner never closes, get in. Put your feet on the dash. I'm stopping at a, I can't believe they call it this, two commands, rest. Mm. Stop. The game is we rush into the gas station. You buy me a souvenir I most certainly don't need, and I you. I found this keychain. It blinks your name. They never have mine. Get in. Get in, world. Death. Time. I swear. I'll turn this car around if you don't hotbox us vapid. The day the stars come down and start walking around like they own the place, God said. I'm quitting. Get in. The game is I spy. The game is who can be quiet the longest. The game is... Just hold your breath, there's a cemetery. Order me fries, order me lungs, order me around, order my manuscript, like, like for real though. <laughs> Here's a handful of pennies of ketchup packets of sky. I know you're exhausted, get in. I'm driving you home. Roll down your window, the forecast is alive. The dog's kicking in his sleep, which means a brain the size of a lemon can squeeze the whole dream. Poor poet, get in. You never could say goodbye with grace. Lucille, get in. Dead family, get in. I want to show you something. 
I had no map when I started, and now here I am, somewhere real, called loving you. Get in. Woo! And then I'm going to read something new in the spirit of all the newness, in the spirit of um, being witness to genocide. This is turning to him. A boy, cleanly leveled of legs, bottom half voided by shrapnel, turns this way, that, in the road in shock on my little screen. When I put my phone down, I never put him down. I am told by distance, by time, and my one body, he and I are separate. But all day long, the ghost trail of pixels drags behind my eyelids. His turning, this way, that, his searching gaze is an olive pit trapped inside a vein, clogging my blood's usualness, its industry. He must have died. No one returning to him, to Gaza, for the child. Yet, he still turns this way, that, forever. I am told, no ground without water, no fire without stars, no bramble without sky, no physics without love. For every awake honeycomb, there is a hidden sister. A bee sifts light to quench darkness. I am told this is not the only world. No here without eternity. No running tap without the sea. For now, I'm stuck on a planet where hands incapable of prayer build churches, where men who can't create right laws. The only question is, how can the human animal bear itself? Some have said a dictator knows everything, but it is one thing. I try to laugh. My throat is closed off as a clock on the wall. I try to dance. I try. I am told belong to the one most unclaimed. Be the mirror, sister, witness from the other side of the glass of the world indifferent and see, see him turning forever, this way, that, answer him by turning to him. Yes, child, tell him your desperation builds a hell in my heart. I am told it is noted if he is a perpetual child, the world allowed unmysteriously to die, then be the unallowing, the demystifying, the demand. Turn to him, turn to him, turn to him. There can be no end to turning to him. Dying in plain sight on a million little screens, that little boy, turn to him whose eyes are begging for eyes. Thank you guys. Woo!
right, well, let's keep it going one more time for sure. That was fucking amazing. I don't know how I can come up on stage after that, but we will see with our first open mic reader of the night, Peter Torre. Let's welcome Peter. Thank you, everyone. One of you has heard this poem. Um, the rest of you haven't. Seek. How do I know that I've been here too long? Uh, doctors and nurses started following me home. It's a one bedroom, so it fucking sucks. Uh, the memes infected my phone were right. All they want to do is line dance and sing and take a break from touching the dead and blessing them as they go. I alert my things my parents didn't tell me about doctors. Did you know in medical school they don't tell you that now you can watch a dozen people die in a day even if you trained as an optometrist? They didn't get a medal or a statue. Sometimes the last blessing some get after an empire wrung their country out and onto itself. Some sleeping on my floor want to retire early. There's a plague coming. I tell them the plague is here. It's been here. Just ask yourself in a month. Ask my father. How do I know you've been here too long? Because the machine started singing? Ever since I took your drugs like no one asked me to, the sound of them working has a new rhythm and a meter. A doctor plays the EKG on a guitar his younger self left for him. Another drums on a dented pot, just like the MRIs roar. I tell them the machines must be broken. They never learn new songs. They keep outliving their patients. How do I know they've been here too long? The visiting doctors have unionized and started saying I should go to medical school. I exercise the frontline heroes from my too small one bedroom. I scream in the waiting room. There need to be more warning signs. Sign one, no adult has ever eaten this much applesauce. So stop trying to feed my sister all of this applesauce. Sign two, none of the rooms are big enough to hold your family, my family, any family, even if there's one visitor, especially if there's one visitor. How do I know I've been here too long? Uh, the hospital complex runs through the earth like worms in mud, knotted and woven. The entire east side has never been anything other than a wing. On my latest visit, I picked the wrong way to leave. Let's call it a game. I seek corridors that do not end, push past doors that should not open. I put on scrubs that aren't mine and I adjust the mask that is. My labyrinth is a cousin of these, not a twin. Steel and asbestos and empty space, not tubes and waste and donated bodies. My labyrinth was designed with an exit. I'm sorry, I cheated. My escape is pacing, but with a point. So I asked my sister to hurry. Beat me to the exit. We can leave together. Okay, Peter, you can stay. <laughs> up next, we have Pow Ahimsa. Give it up for Pow. going to read something else, but I was really inspired by the uh, by the prompt. And, um, this uh, poem started as a gratitude list, and there's no mantra to it specifically, but I like things that turn out into poems um, unintentionally. Uh, gratitude. Schmoopy dreaming away on the arm of my favorite chair, and New York Harbor just steps from my door, my first memory. Biking by this and other reminders of love and service almost every day. 
Two friends, simple talk in a kitchen on Clinton Street multiplies itself in a widening circle of peace. To be human, which is to say deeply flawed and, and still able to help others despite this, or possibly the reason for it. If forgetting is the only sin, as Emmanuel said, then remembrance must be the only virtue. Words and learning how to use them more effectively at the same time, asking what is the formless essence behind these constant scratches, various curves and lines, dots, these utterances of clicks and breath, symbols, expression, style, compassion, divine and all, forgiveness, love's convalescence. A broad channel, my first childhood refuge at the northernmost end is now a holy site scattered with offerings of green coconuts and tiny statues of Ganesh. Religion is a means to an end, not the end itself, and home is a tiny dot on a map, a dot which does not exist without a line that goes from it. Aligning myself with teachers who, refusing all codes, refusing all followers, focus on the simplest truths like clarity is happiness, nisargadatta, the universe is an example of love, like a tree, like the ocean, like my body, like my wheelchair, Ram Das. It is no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society, Krishnamurti. Okay then, so long therapy. I'm holding on to the axis of boundless love and a healthy hatred for society. Fifties off to a good start. These are the days. Smiling at the coming return. A Saturn, my second one, I'll be ready for you this time. Until then, this pumpkin spice, walnut pancakes, beyond sausages, tart red pear, Sunday mornings, autumn, Brooklyn poems. Gratitude. Thank you. All right, thank you, pal. I'm not really want some pancakes. Um, <laughs> next, we have Patrick. Let's give it up for Patrick. physical expression changing while my still having my old legal name on my identifications and other documents and it's called name my name is patrick not pad or trick not the here comes pat like the julia sweeney snl pat the to be accepted as a him or her for whatever it might be pat nor the dictionary defined compact mass soft and flat and smooth by light strokes and taps like a butter stick cut in half and then half, and half, and half to the size of a tablespoon. What's in a name that matters? Letters, characters, maybe a number or two. Safety, reputation, a moniker that you answer to, that helps us sort out what is what and who is who, even when there are two of you. The Pat who goes by Patrick, and the Pat who prefers to go by Lou. The options are multitudinous, from the solitary sound of a single unit to a compound of elements of not one but two, to the oh-so-laborious inconvenience of three or more, the multisyllabic long-ass name. <laughs> and we haven't even gotten to the pronouns. Can I call you this? No. Well, I have known you as that, so I'll just call you Pat. No, that's not an option. But why? Why Patrick? Asked in a separate instance, the intonation perhaps hinting, I thought you were trans. I am, but not that way. What do you mean? I'm transmasculine. Oh. Oh, I get it. You're the other way around. You're trans, but a transgender man. Bing. You hit it right on the button. And you know, it means that I actually passed. 
Oh, I passed, I passed. What does it mean to pass? An interim need to be externally valid or ward up the moments of vulnerable and awkward, like a 15-year-old queer in a 40-year throwback? Jump cut to the checkout when the clerk asks for ID and looks it over. Is this for your mom? No, that's me. I'm trans. To which he responds with what seems to be a very lengthy silence. Scrutinizing eyes pasted on my license. He's either dubious, confused, or just slow at subtraction. Granted, 69 from 23 in your head can be a challenge. This is you, says the man who towed my car last week. You don't look like us, says the locksmith as I sign the receipt, then cut to the bank scene where the teller calls for the manager, a line when I repeat, I'm trans, and we explain the matter. And I wish she'd stop gawking continually at the monitor, and I hope she's not some conservative, Heather or a Karen, and I trust she spots that my license corresponds to my likeness, and I wonder if the other customers inside can hear this, and I anticipate expect that she'll just give me my cash, and I assess, reassure her by removing my mask when she finally, finally approves the transaction, seemingly two hours later. It would have been nice if she had just asked me earlier, but I'm glad she's so protective of my money. <laughs> oh, to pass, to pass, behold the joy of being trans, but the truth is I'm the undisputed champion of being exactly who I am. The euphoria of one's name stated as a fact takes work, and sometimes all the little wins can check all the little jabs, and I will make that effort in the most polite possible way. At times, almost apologetic, make you feel that it's okay, that you forgot my name. Though the honest truth is, and is there any other kind, the honest truth is, is it's not okay. But I get that change takes time. Change takes getting used to. I don't call my past dead. I think I'm too old for that. And my birth certificate for me is part of my history book, like any other brimming with filtered truths and unseen facts. But I'm still getting around to amending all the other accounts. Netflix, license, passport, credit, the superior court and the county justice, social security, 401ks, pensions, wills, IRAs. I have to admit, it can feel overwhelming to change 50 plus years of all kinds of recordings. But then I remind myself, Patrick, you won't drown in paper. And it's time to finally, finally file for the name change. Pro se, now. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Up next, we have Karen Newberg. Woo! Hello, Karen. Collect the yellows and purples, bathe in the luxury of butterfly and bee. Let the hummingbirds hum the afternoon light. Let the fireflies light the blue hour. Let me sing. Let me sing the garden. Let me be a tree. Let me reach. Reach into the song of the seasons. Let the seasons keep their pace steady in promise. Let the promise be a garden. I'm lost in a dream with no garden. I'm lost in a world where green is lost, where creatures are lost, some who we never met or named. Let me sing the garden, sing the birds, sing the flowers. Let me sit in the crotch of a tree. Let me be a nest. 
dead rat on Ryerson Street this morning, and it was still there by noon. If someone saw it die, they may have winced, or otherwise shouted at the thing that was on its way to kill it, to no avail. Disemboweled. The rat was disemboweled. No way of unringing that bell, as someone wrote. No way of putting his stomach back into his stomach, of giving his little rat life back to him. If there were a kinder word for the kind of creature he was, we could use it, but rat is all we have. And red is all we have for the amount of it that glistened in the mid-morning chill. And he, well, very rarely do we think of a rat's possible femininity, but we must entertain the idea that she could have been a she. As she laid there on the brick walkway at noon, the clock tolled, and that bell tower, wherever it was, though it felt as if it were everywhere, reached its hollow song down to scoop up and cradle her properly, to stroke her fur. It told everyone in proximity that they could be next, that the rat's life was small, but so were their own, no larger, actually. The amount of care one gives to a dead thing does not equate the largeness of its life. Months later, a lobster cart Months earlier, a lobster carcass was strewn in almost the same place. No blood, though, and thus less offensive. He was food, dropped carelessly but harmlessly. It seems that the closer a non-human reminds a human of itself, the more tragic the death. Usually, if it has more flesh than scale, more blood than pus, more face than well, most things have faces, but closer the closer to a human face, the better. And extra points for legs or fingers of some sort. She may have squished. The sound becomes apparent almost immediately, amplified even. The cracking of her small spine, the squeak of her poor small throat. She did not speak English or whatever language was needed at the time. Looking. For the fourth time, this time at a picture, one notices the spine twisted, back legs tossed over, the type of pose a human might assume if they were playing dead, but games do not stain the birth the way she did, not fun ones anyway. A squish is indeed heard from the looks of her, but it may have been sinister, quieter. It may have been a game to someone, dead in daylight, surely. Fresh death is different than the old, stale one. It queezes the stomach without stench. It quickens the heart without grief. It might make one suddenly ashamed, a bit embarrassed, 
that they too could be abandoned by their life. She will likely be gone tomorrow, though. And we can all wipe that furrowed brow off our faces. Woo! I don't know how you're going to follow that, but up next we have Miro. Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to follow that, but I'll try. <laughs> uh, this is called Daisies. A man holds a bundle of pink daisies and a balloon that says, I'm sorry. His shoulders slump. Did he yell at her because she got in his way? Did he get mad because she couldn't quite contort herself into what he wants her to be? I want to ask him what happened. I want to know what caused him to stab and who told him the right thing to do was to apologize. I want to know if he'll do it again or if this man is capable of growth. It must be hard to hear no for the first time. I think of all the men who made me small with their greed. There is no base big enough for the daisies I mowed. All right, up next we have Gerald Wagner. We can try. Good evening. Hello. Uh, in this poem, the word Chinook is used in two different ways. Chinook is a breed of species of salmon, and it's also a Native American word for a warm wind that comes in the wintertime from the southeast. In places like Montana, where I spent. Montana, yeah. A brief history of my first marriage, 1969. Chinook snow eater blustered and gusted from dawn on. Big rock concert scheduled on campus. A Missoula band back from the Bay Area bearing towers of amps and speakers. Free acid all night. <laughs> Free acid towering stacks of amps and speakers surrounded all around by sound. Slot car riffs. Just a minute, damn it. <clears throat> Slot car riffs, orgasmic crescendos, we dance, sweat, shout, dance, bright, black, light, strobe, throb, strobe, bomb, a paramecium, I float, blue-hued, bioluminescent among jellyfish, pulse, flash, tangerine, swim in strobe, spin in a prism's dazzling daze, Chinook, the snow eater drools. Electric lavender shimmers down its scaly silver cheeks. Acid dilation, strobe punch, red, green, aquamarine, 
Pulse slap vessels visible in my wide angle eyes. Pulse slap maps veins in my flooded brain. I see myself twice, like in a movie. <laughs> After, from the bridge, she and I bellow, Chinook, snow eater, crack the Clark Forks ice. River, tumble your frozen mantle, make ragged, angry slabs. Jagged edge, rigid plates that scrape, fall, fracture, then sprawl, splayed across bladed shelves. After, together, in our warm bed, we marvel at the breathing web of iridescent beads glimmering on visible, invisible cosmic strings. While fucking, we both leave our bodies, drift into a rainbow astral plane to become one, wedded in love, do we merge a single entity, two as one forever? Wait! I am the steely salmon smolt. I must turn to the current and grow downstream in wilder and deeper water. By mid-afternoon, a mass of sub-zero Arctic air had bullied down the Rockies to engulf the region. Winds out of the Hellgate froze the split ice, restitched the ragged flow. The river, as before, carried on below. Thank you. Woo! All right, up next we have our regular Jim Stewart. Yeah! thinking we wouldn't have to pick them up again, shoved in the back of the wire shelf over the closet to sit until we died, or some archaeologist digs it up in a thousand science fiction novels I could write. But no, it's me, unearthing the ruins of our love, the time we made in this place, the tiny fleeced blanket we wrapped him in when he was small, a book I bought the last happy time we were out together, Ivy grows through the ceiling of the shed. I heard the buyer say perhaps it would be an office. Everyone thinks that. There's five feet of snow where you are, and you are happy there. Your flower pots littered the yard, so I left them out front, hoping someone would grow something from them. Woo! Thank you. Yeah. All right, thank you, Jim. Up next, we have France. Give it up for friends. Thank you, Lord. Keep going, keep going, keep going. change of pace with the, uh, I guess, the sort of style of work. I'll try and keep this within time. <clears throat> it's 
called Footfalls. I find it quite a treat to listen to the sounds of feet as they move along and fall upon the ground, or the other little things like the fins and tails and wings that help the creatures small and big to get around. Some might think it's such a bore, but for me, I just adore them and the noise they make can help it make me smile. And you might also find that they seldom seem to mind if you choose to stop and listen for a while. I enjoy the clopping clipping of the trotting or the skipping of a happy hoofy horse along the trail, and a mule as it bumbles or a deer that runs and rumbles are some things that titillate me without fail. I can never get to sleep when I start thinking about sheep and the resounding, bounding bucking when they play. Or maybe you prefer to catch the tramping of a herd puddled cattle as they gallop in the hay. It's really quite entrancing when a mountain goat is prancing and has climbing clacklicks that go on rocks. And don't forget the clomping of the heavy stamp and stomping of a grumpy huppy camel or an ox. Oh my joy, it never ends when I hear some feathered friends flit and flutter forth and back among the trees. I delight around a hummingbird that hovers with wings thrumming, and you can hum right with them if you please. I think it's very pleasant every time I catch a pheasant rustle shuffling from underneath the brush. And my wonder's never stopping when I hear the petite popping of the talons of a little wren or thrush. Or to hear a crow go strutting down the lane is simply nothing short of magical, though it's seldom loud. But when she flaps and bats her wings, my heart absolutely sings as I watch her eyes high into a cloud. Some feet are very little, but if you work a bit, you'll hear a symphony of teeny footsteps too. I'm enraptured by the rapping of the tiny toe-tip tapping of the scurry of a mouse or wool or shrew. When I hear a hare or a rabbit, well, at chance I always grab it as the lucky balls go swinging, springing past. And a weasel that goes darting is just all too soon departing, but I like his little footsteps while they last. A lizard can be wary, but I like to listen where he scratches, skittering along a garden wall. And the slithering of snakes and the subtle sound it makes is sometimes like it doesn't have a sound at all. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're very quiet, and I quite suggest you try it, you can hear some feet that fall much smaller still. Like a busy beetle bustle or the rhythmic drumming hustle of a marching line of ants around their hill. You can hear the patter-pitter of a hungry caterpillar as she wiggles off to luncheon on some leaves. And you simply have to try to hear a gauzy butterfly or a moth alighting lightly riding on the breeze. I have often heard the sound of the scramble of a hound or a playful puppy digging at the lawn, or the claws of a raccoon upon some tree bark beneath the moon as he clambers down and up from dusk to dawn. I find you seldom hear a cat, if you can't imagine that, as they slink around as quiet as a whisper. But the clatter of a cloud or of some cats is often louder when they pounce their paw pads patting out a whisker. I admit I'm rather fond of all the noises in a pond or a lake or a stream or a wetland or a brook. You might just like them as well, but you just can never tell until you go and have a listen and a look. I do like to note a swan or a goose go floating on or the washy-wishy paddle of a duck. There's the thwapping, flipping, thumping of a toad as it goes jumping all about the muddy puddles and the muck. Or perhaps that old splash-flish of the tail fan of a fish as she swims along the glassy water's edge. And to hear a turtle trundle, I enjoy the sound of bundle as he plods around a tree trunk or a hedge. It's really very riveting to happen on some riveting frog friends who hop upon their logs with duds. And when they want a snack, I hear they quite enjoy a pack of flies or other sitting winged buzzing bugs. If you get the chance to be along the shoreline of the sea, I say you mustn't miss the sounds found on the sands. There's the scuttle of a crab, a gliding gull might like to nab, and the whapping of her webbed feet when she lands. There's a certain rare appeal to hear a walrus or a seal or other flipper flapper flopping on the beaches. And there's nothing like a whale who elegantly waves his tail and sends it cracking, smacking down each time he breaches. I think highly of each one, and it's just no end of fun, to sneak a peek and listen to them roam. And when I meet a favorite, that chance I always savor it, until it's time that my feet take me home. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, thank you so much. Nice I don't really know how to follow that. <laughs> this will feel much slower. <laughs> this poem is called Eve Child. There are two apples, but one of them is a little out of reach, about Adam's height, and the other one is so low it almost kisses the earth. 
You put out your hand and the serpent smacks it back down. Wait for Adam, the serpent says. It is the seventh day. Your body is a borrowed bone, a current of air. When you open your mouth, a forked river empties out. There are two apples, and one of them is goodness, and one of them is evil. The serpent will not tell you which is which, but looks at you with Adam's eyes, a halved fire. On the eighth day, Adam sleeps under a canopy of giraffe legs, which he names Adam Ladders. The tallest Adam ladder strips wild apricot leaves with a blue tongue. Long strands of apricot spit drip around Adam like rain, an apple falls. There are two apples, and now there is one apple. The serpent says, spit that out, and sounds just like Adam when he finds you in the garden, your tongue breeding soil. On the ninth day, Adam pulls a worm from your teeth and calls it Adam floss. Half of the Adam floss threads itself back into the earth. Your belly swells with apple seed, with goodness or evil. There is one apple, and now there are no apples. You call each apple Eve child. Inside each Eve child is a piece of Adam floss shaped like a serpent, or a question. The question is everything you need to know. Thank yeah. You. Right, thank you, Ash. Up next, we have Winston Chiang. Let's welcome Winston. Woo! Woo! Hello, friends. Hello. Hey. Um, it's not as fun to be in the back. I actually legitimately was upset that I wasn't here some some of the great poems because I would catch some lines from pieces and I was just like I don't hear the rest of this it's upsetting to me uh, but there we go it's nice to be crafted um, this one's called heartbreaker I taste better than brown liquor I send people to therapy I keep breaking hearts and bubblegum snaps sip on power imbalance with smug, selfish sympathy. I don't need you to tell me who I am, and I'm beyond the need for labels, but you can call me an opportunist. Rest assured, this flesh is real. The elastic, electric skin chip, bizarre fiddling with momentary shivers between fear and surrender. I can't write about love. I don't know anything about love, except when your eyebrows yawn and I'm lost in those crystallized sea foam green gemstones bursting with excitement and I'm smiling so hard that I forget that intense eye contact makes me feel uncomfortable, but yours feel like an oasis in overcrowded clubs. Couldn't crowbar our locked gaze apart in this sea of deserted people, souls sucked out of their mouths, Tootsie Pop sucker pressed from shiny lips to syrupy lips, lip smacking, lip service on scarred surface, sickly sweet spun sugar glass, gentle needle drops on vinyl, suppers of sunset blush passion fruit. I prefer when intention overflows from every orifice, dribbling on the countertops, asking for messiahs to clean up the mess that we made out of sight, gentle rhythms, gyrate, gut check, gory, glory, garnish, 
asked for stage direction during garish fight scenes, rearranged faces, and simple syrup satisfaction. Tingling sensation on every cilia barely settled. Pause for laughter. Praise hung on the bare branches. Select from a laundry list of laced luxury lies. I was there then. I am here now. In the closet, I've hanged every face I've ever showcased. I've lost the labels. Tell me which one calls to you. Thank you. All right, up next, we have the fabulous Kayla Swab. for the beautiful prompt, as always. Um, I actually wrote this poem in Angel Nafisa's workshop over the fall um, about portraiture. And this poem is called Ode to My Hip Surgery Scars. They're untraceable shapes, tiny explosions of flesh at the tops of my thighs, three on the right, two on the left like melted candle wax after it cools and rehardens. We did everything to shield them, to facilitate the healing. You wrapped me in plastic wrap every three days so that I could take a shower, waterproofing the layers of gauze slapped over the swelling. I didn't want to need you, to need anyone this much. I stood there crying under the too hot water, dissolving days of sedentary skin cells and sebum. You waited on the other side of the curtain in case I lost my balance, your cue in what felt like an absurdist play. When I was finished, you'd hold me as I took those two steps over the ledge of the tub, over the edge of intimacy and into the towel stretched across your open arms. It was mortifying to be made so aware of muscle and bone and tendon, like you were seeing me for the first time, my body tender and teeming with trust in you. Thank Woo! you. Yeah! Thank you, Kayla, that was beautiful. Up next, we have Eva Quayler. Hey, hi guys. Um, I started this poem in a particular moment and have been trying to finish it ever since, so we'll see if we get there. Um, this poem is called Bloodied, June 2022. On Friday, Roe falls before breakfast, so I grant myself 10 minutes to go to the woods and cry. Amongst my old friends, the trees, I crouch and grasp the ground. I lean into the air, heavy with unformed fears. Later, at breakfast, I sit with women I don't yet know well, but well enough 
to hold each other's sorrow in our hands, though slick and weighted as it is, some of it leaks out between our fingers. On Saturday, my blood comes in three days early. My fingers, sticky with it, press tissue into layers that will do until I find a pharmacy. I think of women's hands in dark rooms, in forests, in caves, showing their daughters how to tear cloth and wear it, how to press torn flesh together to stop the bleeding where life has emerged. Because it hurts, I want to tear it out. I want to offer my womb bloodied and raw to a world that says it is not precisely my own to begin with. I want to paint the walls and let my life-giving blood speak when my words fail. I have bled roughly 153 times and birthed no life except my own. I think of women in forests, in caves, in dark rooms. I paint my face and go to fucking war. Yeah. Up next, we have Steph McLean. magic and you could just hopefully feel a little of what I felt and maybe someone who lives in Europe now would like wake up at 2.30 in the morning and be like, oh, I hear my, my ears are ringing or something. So <laughs> we'll see, but um, this is called the fig tree. I fly into morning. I tear through the sky and I land smiling and bleeding. Black coffee, hot, cigarette. We walk so long I forget we're human. We're thought forms, we're thought form. Turmeric siesta light. You mold me easy like clay. We hike by the light of our words and watch sun crash into ocean. You eat Saturn peaches and me. Your guitar, hillside lullaby, Sundance, salt bath. So you were a pilot. So you were 30,000 people before we became thought form. We pray when we're together. We swim in our silences and they clutch us like a newborn crush. I'm reading you a Wikipedia page about Moorish runes. You're steering us stick shift through olive groves. We're standing in the transept of a cathedral and I'm asking God for you. We climb a mountain with no water on a day so hot the horizon tremors. I'm alive. 
<laughs> Even if I'm dead, I'm electric. We sit in the grass. I don't worry about bugs. We find a fig tree. We become it. I think of Plath's allegory. You pluck a fig, fresh, milky stem, and I eat it out of your hand. I won't stick my head in an oven. I'll love you instead. Thank you. Being alone. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Up next with Elsie Morris. Where's Elsie? History Month, I just wanted to remember um, the first Black African-born woman to publish a book of poetry in 1773. Um, she was captured from West Africa and brought to Boston. Her name is uh, Phyllis Wheatley. Um, thank you for your creativity and your courage. Um, this song is, this is song. <laughs> this uh, poem is called Mosaic Hearts. Lead me into love. True love, no fairy tales, sang Anita. People come and go. They come up and down. They will go. The highs and lows. Your steps ordained yet paved a rigmarole. Navigating this toe we call life, what a life. To feel, to know, to experience in full. The rest, the angst, the push and the pull, the ebb and flow, the eddy. Tumultuous sensations of bliss and mist through fervent prayers and dot, dot, dots, I am still here. Fragments of the heart, a mosaic of fortitude, an offering of what's left, intact and pulled together, golden seams reminiscent of Kintsugi, you, are still here. Teemingly refined and beautifully divined, we are still here. What's broken can be mended. Now here's an offering of truth, that light can even shine through cracks of mosaic hearts anew. Thank you. Thank you, Elise. That was beautiful. Up next, we have Anthony Gagliardi. Uh, this poem's called Ants from the Little Blue Planet. Uh, 
I'm going to talk about ants. Uh, if it makes you feel any better, I'm also a pretty bug-averse person. <laughs> if you've ever tried researching a poem about bugs when you're a bug-averse person, uh, don't do it. Um, <laughs> ants from the Little Blue Planet. If we want to colonize space, that questionable task of ambiguous interstellar morality, may I be the first to champion the ants. My research shows that these master craftsmen of Animalia are in fact every person's favorite creature. Don't check me on that. And if I may suggest further that we recruit them from my home state of Georgia, well acquainted as they are with sands of red clay, which I know since I too once found myself as a child building what, with whatever I could get my hands on, but that doesn't matter as much as their fortitude. Are they looking to build? Do they value humanity? They have to believe in the mission, otherwise this won't work. And maybe there can be like one human on the rocket ship with them, because as much as I believe in ants, I'm not sure they would be able to fly a rocket ship. But as long as, long as all of the protocols are written correctly, I believe the ship could perhaps fly itself. All we have to do is get them to Mars, and that would be that. They would work fast, I imagine. It is the only way they know how. Did you not also swat at mounds of dirt with sticks when you were young? <laughs> no wonder I'm having to explain this to you. <laughs> Ants are magic, you see. They've been building empires under our noses. Any given ant knows more about architecture and engineering than any of us. So send them to space. They will build something. And then there will be somewhere to go as the earth crumbles far, far away from a safe new home. Dear ants, if you're listening, I'm doing my best to find you a way out. I found a place I think you will love. No human will be there. Once you land, they will call to you with their radios. Tell them nothing. <laughs> we must never hear from you again. The planet is yours. Leave us to drown or burn or decay. This is your chance to do better than we did. Make something amazing once you get there and never tell your children about us. Or do. History is yours now. It's your planet. And I hope it suits you. I'm so sorry for what I did to your homes when I was young. I have hidden one massive magnifying glass in a compartment on the rocket. This is for you to watch us through as we fall apart. As we end. Thank you, Anthony. As someone from, who's from Georgia, I know all about those ants. I used to pour gasoline on those motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs>
See ya, suckers. <laughs> Up next, we have Amanda Quaid. Cool jumpsuit. <laughs> Hi. I wrote this for Rosebud's class earlier this year. Woo. Phone sex in post-op. I watch the golden cubes of the Roosevelt Island tram glide across the twilight sky. Lung blood chugs through a plastic snake in my breast collecting in a box on the floor. I will not sleep tonight. You are two time zones and lifetimes away, low purr in my ear, an anchor to some other body, other self. Tonight, you say what you would do if only you could get me on my own in Rome, how you would kiss my scars away in Marrakesh. Prudence empties the commode. Tina comes with tramadol. You fling me up against a thick Parisian wall, or no, a Himalayan tree. My hips in your hands, your lips on my throat. And I swear your words are finer than morphine, intoxicating as oxy, as if desire himself could unfester my cells and turn them gently up and on and inside out, turn them toward the light tonight. I will not sleep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. She served on twice in the jumper and with the pole. <laughs> up next, we have Hunter Hodgkinson. today. Um, this one's dedicated to my best friend, Michaela. It's called, I'm ready to hear what happened Saturday night of Pride Weekend 2023. <laughs> I'm ready to hear what's, what happened Saturday night of Pride Weekend 2023. Every time you've tried to tell me, I shush you quiet. I don't want to know what I looked like with every defense down, but I'm ready now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you could have just left me, blind and hiccuping outside Julius's, where the bouncer rightfully denied me entrance, wouldn't even let me use the toilet. So I lifted my skirt and pissed on the glitter soap sidewalk. But you didn't. You didn't leave me standing in a puddle of gin urine because we are best friends. <laughs> and sometimes these types of connections become burdensome. <laughs> you sat me on the curb in my black dress from Rainbow, only two weeks after I started dressing feminine. Lord, how I must have looked with my mannish posture, dry heaving, waiting for the Uber. <laughs> Thank you for not coming home with me. The incredible night you had haunts me to this day. <laughs> FOMO is often an overlooked cause of death. <laughs> I, 
I didn't get to see your face light up with wonder the first time you entered Henrietta Hudson's. All first queer experiences are an explosion. I feel like a child who slept through fireworks. Thank you. Yeah! Oh, We got about four more people left tonight. Let's give it up for the fabulous Jess Gagne. Y'all, I saw Melissa after Hunter and I was like, because <laughs> I just have a little draft. I have a little draft for you. And it's on my phone. First time I've ever read from my phone on here. It's fine. Hello. Um, okay. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know what you said, but I liked it. <laughs> okay. I watched Princess Diana do it on magazine covers and supermarket checkout lines, project a fantasy onto a man who looked like he could maybe handle it. And now, through a two-way mirror, I watch myself do it, only smiling when they are doing it back at me. Wave to the cameras, the pattern, repeat. It's been a long time, but I still remember that it feels nice to fall in love. Even though the last time it happened was the can't sleep, can't eat kind. And I drove all night, and I went for a run in the rain, and I pretended I was using him, and I was a little bit using him. I want to want to look into the cursed mirror again. I want to feel it's worth it to crack open. I touched the back of a stranger's hand with my hand coming out of the train, and it was so warm. All right, we have one more. Up next, we have Rachel George. Woo! Maybe, oh. maybe not. One once, going twice. Thank you, next. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we have Yard Love. second month of the year. It's Black History Month. Woo! It's the year of the dragon. Yes. Woo! Yes, my sign. Um, first, second verse, same as the first, free Palestine, 2024. I'm sorry, I missed a workshop, Shira. I was in Midtown. Um, no more needs to be said. Um, okay, this poem exists because of Hunter, Woo! Um, who said, hey, can you write a poem about abundance? Mm. Um, and this is what came out. The Orchard. I hung the tile I painted in the kitchen because pomegranates are an old symbol of plenty. Eating them as children, we looked bloodstained, little shirtless bakai. The difference between abundance and excess is need. 
America, lick your fingers. America, land of plenty empty fridges, plenty parking lots, nation of access, you can tell by the gaping mouths. And anyone can cross the border from getting by to not enough. Pomegranate too hobbles through meanings, plenty, fertility, bomb. Insides glint like shrapnel, an ovary stuffed at birth with a life's supply of unripe seeds. I know your abundance, America. Even if you made life the fate of every unborn, you'd still have more guns than people. The money you trade for information on abortion providers is still what you'd call bounty. In Gaza, every backyard pomegranate tree has survived something. Torch, airstrike, bulldozer, axe. America, go touch a tree tended by your ancestors, then ask me why you can't. Don't leave a single seed uneaten, lest you trash the one that came direct from paradise. America, listen carefully. If you let me in your kitchen, I will rip into your pantry and portion it out for everyone. I will open the fancy bottles you were saving for no good reason. I will set fire to your orchard of armaments where only bombs cluster, hanging above the earth like so much bloody fruit. Thank you. All right, our pick ultimate reader of the night is Ashley. Oh, damn. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so, not a trauma dump, but um, <laughs> um, my mom passed a couple of weeks ago, and everybody's been showing me love. So, this, um, this poem is dedicated to my former high school teacher that invited me to his DJ set. So, <laughs> so it's called The Bar's Menu, hence DJ Menu is this um, thing. Blaring music, take a trip through distant memories. At the flick of a pull stick, spheres run circles around tired heads and competitive fingers. A congregation of liquor, clouds of exhaled relief, singing to tune out the day's stress. I scan the room for the next best spot at the bar, a darkened corner for solitude or someone's potential bedside. Dim lights, life seems so inconspicuous between shots and the bass, exchanges of I like you. Fuck yeah, let me get a, <laughs> let me get a shot of dot 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 echo. Oh, awkward two steps to unfamiliar songs stump on wooden floors because your club friend decided to stay home. Ice poured into glasses, creating silly symphonies with the lyrics of, it's 5 p.m. somewhere, cheers to the weekend, TJF, and that one soprano that of, that's my song. <laughs> At the end of the night, melted ice swirls and empty cups, 
Minds peering at the bottom, pondering the meaning of life, rummaging through what ifs, or building the courage to let sober thoughts live through slurred words. 12 a.m. for the millennials, 1 a.m.-ish for the Gen Zs. Mm -hmm. Ubers are summoned, coworkers bid their, their goodbyes, couples stumble home, disassembled DJ equipment, evidence of a good time, imprinted on sticky floors. May this happy hour turn into happy days, or we wait until next Friday. Woo! All right, and the last of the evening, certainly not least, is Evan Thomas Cummings. to get up here thank you uh poem i'm going to be reading is called everything at all times i write because something happened something big this time and i simply can't wrap my head around it how could i how could anyone live through this the indelible moment and have nothing to say on the subject I lie on the floor when I receive too much mail. I spackle the girl's wall after knowing her two days. <laughs> I sit down in the shower and I throw lighters at the wall. I write because it's here, because I won't know what I think or how I feel or how I feel about what I think until I have, because I don't know what to say or how I'll say it until I do. And in Palatino 10 point, the way Joan did, <laughs> I write because my mother has a visceral fear of my poetry, and for that reason, she has never read it. I write because my father never knew I did, and will never know I do. But maybe I can write a poem that slips the veil, that splits the atom, that pulls God's pants down, and becomes a part of every living thing. I write because I want somebody to get to know me, because I'm all by myself and blue is my favorite color, because my calorie deficits are dangerous and as a man, I don't know what's wrong with me. I write because I'm supposed to name five things in the room when I get like this, but everything is fucking everywhere all the time. I write because I have to put it somewhere because I promised myself I wouldn't drink again until my mother dies, and because I can't say things like that in idle conversation. <laughs> I write because I'll sit here and wait with my lover boy heart, because I'll never jade or be careful, and because I'll care, either more or not at all, and to break and be broken in the mirror of that spectrum will make me starve and bleed from nose each time. I love too fast. And I write because hurt comes often that way, but really, it is the best thing for me now. It's something. It's the why I got sober and the reason I have stayed and no, it doesn't always work or come out the way it should. And yes, the moments of joy already make sense, so there's really no need to go on about either. Because the day it doesn't hurt and the day it's not a flood, I can be certain death has found me and I'll rest. 
I write because I'm not going out like that yet. Because I only smile for you and I remembered autumn roses. The square peg doesn't fit in the round hole, goddammit. I write because I'll keep trying. What else is there? I no longer believe that misery is the ether of genius, but I don't write happy poems. And I most certainly do not write love poems. I write about everything at all times. Thank you. All right, y'all, give it up for all of our phenomenal open See y'all soon. Take care. Get on safe. All right, there you have it. The Brooklyn Poets Yop of Mike for February twelfth. 2024 featuring the brilliant Shira Ehrlichman always throwing down uh, back in the fold at Brooklyn Poets Shira has been doing some amazing things with her company in surreal life uh, and uh, it's the first time she's uh, let a yacht for us since uh, before COVID times uh, back when we were doing this at 61 Local so it was great to have her back in the house as it were as in our as in in our new house our first house of our own uh so that was really cool to see congrats to evan thomas cummings who almost didn't read the last open mic reader of the night uh of the night off the wait list 
Uh, Evan won Poem of the Month by audience vote for his poem, Everything at All Times. He's earned a spot in our 2024 Yacht Poem of the Year contest, invitation to our awards gala, along with a prize Brooklyn Poets tote bag. Uh, I apologize about the audio quality of this month's recording. We had an issue with our recording device, uh, which recorded but didn't actually record any of the sound. It just recorded the whole time and recorded nothing. Uh, but luckily, we live streamed this on Zoom and always record the live stream, so we had an audio file, just not quite up to our usual audio file standards, but hopefully you could still hear the poems okay. Uh, I think the poems are okay, just the applause usually sounded a little weird. In any case, next month, uh, we are back at 144 Montague for our March Yop on March 11th, featuring Rochelle Tormino, one of our workshop instructors this season. Rochelle started teaching for us last year. Uh, she's been teaching for us online because she lives in Buffalo, but we are lucky enough to have her in Brooklyn on March 11th, so if you would like to take a workshop with Rochelle and hear her feature at the start of the open mic, uh, get a ticket for that and get a ticket at brooklynpoets.org. Rochelle is teaching a workshop on uh, Jack Spicer, uh, sort of approaching poems in the manner of Jack Spicer. So at that March 11th yop, she is going to be giving folks a little preview of what that five-week workshop will be like. So if you like Jack Spicer, I think you should definitely come out for this yop. Uh, if you like what you heard, we'd love it if you would rate us on iTunes, five stars, and subscribe to this podcast. It helps more listeners find these amazing poets every month. We appreciate all of you regular listeners for following us devotedly and all of you who continue to come out to the off every month and sell out the house. Uh, it is our biggest and most popular event, and uh, it wouldn't be that without all of you. So thank you once again. I am Jason Koo, your host. For the Yobcast, founder and executive director of Book and Poets, uh, we will see you in March. Thanks and take care.